Welcome to the York County Economic Alliance podcast series produced by Bold Creative Media. As York County's official Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Organization, we're here as a resource center to connect you to specialized funding, business services, advocacy programs, and events to help you and your business thrive. Welcome, everyone, to the YCEA podcast series. My name is Kevin Schreiber, and I'm here today with the lovely and incredibly talented Miss Sam Smeltzer, who is the CEO and founder of Leadership Arts Consultants. And uh, Sam, we're going to be talking a little bit about HR stuff today, some fun policy. I know all of our member organizations and all the businesses out there are just always uber excited to talk about um, HR. So why don't you first, if you will, just give a little quick background on who you are and and who Leadership Arts Associates is. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you for having me here today. So my background is I am an HR lady by profession. I spent a decade as the Terminator, so if that puts it in great context for people to know exactly where I focused my area on, and I was not because I wanted to, but apparently I was very good at it. So I like to refer to that as the dark side of HR, (laughs) and after so long, it kind of takes a toll on you. So I started to seek out proactive solutions and actually made the jump to training Hmm. uh, and trying to provide people with the tools before they would ever get to that point where their employment would possibly end or they felt like they had to move on. So that's a little bit about my background, and Leadership Arts Associates is essentially just that. It is a professional organizational development firm with a creative twist, and so our focus is on being that proactive solution, whether it is putting the framework in place for organizations to make sure that they can hold people accountable accordingly and giving them You know, when you hold people accountable the correct way, and I know we don't like the word accountability, but when it is actually set up in the proper fashion, what you find is that people are empowered because they know exactly where they stand with their employer. Um, So we help make sure that's set up correctly and then get people into the routine of expecting accountability. And and by by doing so, you basically empower those individuals. And then the other side of it is we do professional development one-on-one. So really empowering people who seek us out, whether that is through their employer or by themselves, to really say, I want to become a better employee. I just want to be better in my life overall and be happier and professionally satisfied. And we help them with that journey. So you referenced your time in the dark side of HR, um, serving as the terminator, which I assume is dealing with employment and not um, any type of future robotic uh, cyborg, cybernetic organism. Um, Were you doing that on corporate America, in-house HR, or was that still as a consultant as well? Yes. uh, So the 10 years in the HR world as the Terminator, it was all in corporate America Mm -hmm. um, for uh, big box retailers and then moving down to uh, medium-sized box, I guess is what you would call them. And then when I moved to training, I actually was doing that for WellSpan here in Pennsylvania. So transitioned completely different industry, but still in-house doing training. So that's where my background primarily happened. So with leadership arts, then that was a bit of a uh, that was probably a pretty bold risk. I mean, that's that that was not an easy decision, I'm sure. What really, at what point did you know that this was what you wanted to do, and you wanted to kind of chart your own destiny and move out on spin off onto your own, so to speak, and then help you know be there as that resource throughout the community to help businesses, organizations throughout Central Pennsylvania? Yes. Uh, so it's interesting because most people, when you meet them and they're an entrepreneur, they had this stirring from way early on in their career, knowing that they could never 
work for the man, I guess is the <laughs> way they put it out there. Um, I, on the other hand, enjoyed working in corporate America. Um, sometimes it was funny because the other day I was even kind of remembering back when, when I used to enjoy it. But the main reason why I started Leadership Arts is because what I found is what my passion is, is to provide the best solution for the employer. And when you're embedded in a culture, it's really hard to make those changes. Uh, you're really trying to be respectful of the people that you're working with, uh, but also pushing the envelope. And then sometimes you hit walls that they're reluctant to bring down. Um, and so Leadership Arts, really the platform is, is that we go out and we don't have any barriers or walls. We know what's best, and that's what we propose. And in most situations, when we hit those walls and they won't move, we actually will leave and exit the client, uh, which is a very powerful statement to the employees when they find out that you're not budging on something that is really instrumental to make them become better. How did you develop the name Leadership Arts? I know that's probably probably put a, an in, yeah. inordinate amount of time into that. There's you know, three words, Leadership Arts Associates. Yeah. What, what what prompted uh, the development of that as your name? Well, it's really funny because when we it, we've been out for three years now, and every time I have to get past the so you're an art school for <laughs> leaders, um, which is not I'm not an art teacher uh, clearly because I just know what my background is. It is an art form though. It, HR really is an art correct. form. Correct, and that's exactly where it came from. And it took working with individuals, and they asked me what my definition of leadership was. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's an art. It's not the same for everybody. And I design training and classes to help you find what, what that is for you so that you can really flourish. So how has it been uh, over these past couple of years as you've grown your organization now throughout uh, central Pennsylvania? So how has it been? How is business? And, and, you know, why would an organization pick up the phone and call you? It's been amazing. It definitely, um, when you have your own business, I think, it truly is like a child. It grows, and sometimes it's a little out of my control. Um, but primarily, I mean, the reason why people call us is because they want something more. They want to be greater, and they have not found that solution somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I always say that if you are watching some kind of um, seminar and you find somebody that really resonates with you and you like their product or their service, then go there. We're, the creative twist is that we design something completely custom that is really going to work with your culture to maximize the results that's there. I, I, it's probably safe to say that the only predictability in the world of HR is that every day is unpredictable. Um, when you're dealing with humans, you're dealing with employees, uh, you, you know, I have a, there's, there's probably a special place in heaven for an HR professional. So when you're doing that, and, and you know, for any organization out there that might be listening or all of you know, the organizations throughout central Pennsylvania or those that you may help, those that you might help in the future, or those just kind of tuning in, what are some of those challenges that that you know a- any individual in the organization, mm-hmm. particularly in management, has with respect to knowing who that professional is, knowing how they can best motivate? You know, everyone is motivated differently. Um, everyone is different and yeah. vastly different. And I can only imagine the breadth and depth of inquiries that HR mm-hmm. professionals get on a weekly basis. So, yeah. why is it important, you know, to really have that very optimal? HR component to an organization? Well, HR is designed to help take care of all of your people issues. Mm -hmm. And when I say all of them, I mean all of them. And it's amazing when I sit down with owners, they think that it's like a mystical unicorn of some of the things (laughs) that we achieve in in HR because they've never had a fully functioning um, 
unit of that sort or a partner. And that's what it's truly meant to be is be that partner so that you don't have to know all the compliance and the regulations and think about all those kinds of things. That's what that role really serves for you. But I think the best advice that I can give you is that we need to like realize that we hire people. We don't hire widgets. We don't hire, um, you know, your hospital is not cloning out perfect employees out of the labor and delivery room. We have people, and you have to get curious about knowing those people and what makes them tick, but what also makes them special, which is what makes your organization special ultimately. And if you don't want to get curious um, or you have no desire to because of the individual, then there's obviously it's an elephant in the room that needs to be addressed. And if you don't want to address it, then that means you need somebody in HR to help you. Um, And if you have a really great HR professional, you won't hesitate because you'll have someone to go to who will walk you through that entire process. If you're hesitating, that's usually a sign that you have the wrong person there. Um, And if you don't know where to go, that's why organizations like myself and others in the community that are fantastic as well exist to help those who don't have a resource right now. I know we have a lot of organizations, particularly in the nonprofit field, but but certainly a lot of, you know, uh, small entrepreneurs, you know, individual proprietorships that obviously do not have an HR person, let alone a department. Um, is that the type of organization that you help facilitate these these types of services to, or is it is there a sweet spot for the company out there that you can help, or is it really open ended? It's really open ended. We definitely I have done a lot of work with nonprofits who are in that weird spot where they can't really it doesn't make sense to have a full time HR professional, and we gear a lot of their professional development to helping them understand and work with their team and empowering them to work with the team. Um, but then on the flip side, we our sweet spot is usually organizations between. 100 to 250 employees um, to help them really manifest some really awesome culture changes. Gotcha. And so I know one of the topics that we wanted to cover today was the phrase, which was certainly rampant throughout this this past 18 months of the election cycle, but politically correct, obviously. It's not a new phrase to America. It's (laughs) been around, you know, for a very long time. But what really does politically correct mean to you? as an HR professional. Um, And, you know, is it important? Is it not? Is it, you know, just something that's going to continue to evolve throughout the American lexicon? It's interesting because for so long, politically correct was morphing, especially in the employment standpoint of what does professional mean? What can you say? What can you not say? Um, And it's gotten to a place where it hit an extreme. And we saw that through the election, that people were like, I'm done being politically correct. And now we're seeing almost a rebellion that's happening. And I think what's even with legislation on the employment side, we put so many barriers and walls up on what you can talk about versus what you uh, can't talk about. Now we need to ease up and kind of find it shifting. And this is the most in all of you know the 10 plus years that I've been doing this, laws for employment has been have been changing day to day, week to week, month to month, where it's been so critical as an HR professional to be paying attention to those legal updates. I watch Twitter on a normal basis following high profile attorneys that I highly respect just because I know they will tweet about it as things happen just to try to stay ahead of the game so that I can help and prepare my clients. And I know my colleagues are the same way. Oh my gosh, you, you touched on a subject there of social media and an organization. Are you seeing more organizations, um, you know, throughout our community, but certainly just, you know, as a trend nationally developing social media policies? I know some have them, some don't. You know, what would you recommend to an organization um, with respect to social media use by their by their employees and, and their team? Social media is definitely an art overall <laughs> on what you can do or can't do. <laughs> right. Um 
And it's interesting because legislative went all the way as far as a very extreme social media policy. So we had policies that were three to six pages long. Now that's too long. They want a generic paragraph. And really, it's changing day to day on what you can do and can't do and what you can hold people accountable to. Um, But then there's also the benefits of social media with promoting your business. And you want people, I mean, even before we were starting this podcast, we were talking about, can we tweet this live? Uh, And you want employees to do those things. You don't want to hold them back. But where's that line? between their personal account and the business account and w- what those things line up. And it it's a big pile of gray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no black and white, and I wish there was. Um, and most of the time I will tell people, have an HR professional review it. They can usually tell you if your policy, number one, you should have one of some sort, but if it's too extensive or too generic enough. And then usually it has to be run by an attorney just to feel like somebody can back you if it ever gets to that point. So now that I have you here on the microphone, and can I ask you the official question in a Twitter profile, if it says retweets do not reflect any endorsement or opinions are my own, does that count? Does that qualify? Does that protect any employee from saying something disparaging about the organization? Yes and no. And okay. I know that sounds like a really, like it's an attorney answer, and but it does really depend on a case-by-case basis. The social media cases fascinate me because one will shift yes, and then the other will shift no. And that's just, I would say one thing, and then tomorrow somebody would prove me wrong. Right. So important (laughs) for anyone listening to to make sure that they have a social media policy, that's something that they need to address, and it's one of those Band-Aids that they probably have to rip off. But Mm -hmm. an an excellent opportunity to call someone like yourself to help them out and help their organization (laughs) out. Um, So... I want to shift a little bit about to talking about how you work with individuals and employees, how you how you develop those leadership programs, um, and really the why. The, you know why are you know what what really gets you excited about working with a company or working with an organization or working with you know the next generation of leaders. Mm-hmm. So could you talk a little bit about what your experience has been in working you know kind of one on one developing new leaders mm-hmm. and and maybe how that relates to central Pennsylvania, our workforce here, and and then we can sort of take it from there. Yeah, so one of the things that I'm really passionate about that I've discovered is really helping organizations and people get crystal clear with their why, and that's Mm -hmm. kind of happened to become my why uh, because I do it for these people and helping them gain this clarity. Um, And what I mean by that is really establishing the foundation uh, that everything builds off of. You know, what our foundation, it funnels into our actions that generates our results and then our outcomes of whatever's happening to our business or to us professionally on our path. And most of us have no foundation established, or we think that we do. Um, And then we wake up 10 years down the road, or sometimes even a month down the road, and saying, how did I get here? How am I even in this industry? And what does this look like? And um, so I really, um, really emphasize with my clients about how we need to get clear on this foundation. And we spend a lot of time doing that. We'll spend sometimes up to, I have one client that's uh, going on three years now. And the first year was all working on foundation work, figuring out who they are and helping their leaders figure out who they are. Because there's two components there. There's a reason why someone goes into leadership, just like there's a reason why you went into leadership for YCEA. And it's not the same as the other leaders that you have here. But yet there is some kind of common ground there. But we have to give everyone the opportunity to fully understand that. Have you worked with any individuals that through the course of time, they sort of 
lose their why, they lose their daily motivation. And I think that's just human nature. But, you know, how do you help an individual sort of get re-energized and, mm -hmm. and excited about their profession, whatever that may be, and whatever role in a company they yeah. are? But we all go through peaks and valleys. Yes, we all go through peaks and valleys. Um, and we all are allowed to have bad days. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between having a bad day where things just kind of suck versus I have no idea how I got here and what it mm -hmm. looks like. If that's the statements you're making to yourself, then I would kind of take a guess that your why that you thought that you had there, your foundation was not as solid as you thought. Hmm. You went off something and usually it, it comes about whether it's academically or in some environment where somebody says, hey, you're really good at this. And you're like, okay, I'll go with it. And that's not enough to stand on. You have to have something at the core. Um, if I was just a really good at HR and I was continuing, I, I could tell you I wouldn't be able to do terminations for 10 years. Um, there's something else that was there. There was a greater good that I was seeing that allowed me to get up. And some of those days stunk and they're not like I was jumping for joy, but it really is that, that core. And there's, there's a really easy way to do this kind of check-in point to find out about your why if you're, if you're curious if it's substantial enough. And it's using a lean methodology, which is popular with a lot of organizations for process improvement. And what lean really publicizes is that you find out the root cause of everything before you start trying to come up with solutions. And that's what we usually do. I'm tired. I'm unhappy. So I need to work out more. We don't go back to the very beginning. And so Lean has a really easy tool. It's called the 5Y Root Analysis Tool, where you actually ask the question why five times at different depths. Hmm. And what you will find is that if you go at least five deep, sometimes you can go more, you'll get to that base. If you can't go at least five, that's a symptom that possibly you don't have a really solid why, and maybe you want to reevaluate where you're going with that. So this really does all go back to Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. Which I remember having to learn so much in college <laughs> and every class that I was in, it was Maslow's hierarchy, which I would contend that the new base of Maslow's hierarchy should really be Wi-Fi in addition to basic <laughs> needs. But um, so shifting gears a little bit, I think, you know, in, in our course of travels throughout talking with businesses and business leaders throughout York County and mm -hmm. certainly in central Pennsylvania, and this is not unique to York. This is a challenge that we have to face nationally. Um we have you know, sort of two ends of the spectrum right now. We have this giant millennial population coming on the professional scene, and we have a retiring baby boom generation. So you know, in the, in the course of the next 10 years, we're gonna have this retirement wave that continues to occur that's really occurring now, this institutional gap of knowledge where we have you know, an organization could be losing decades, if not you know, hundreds of years of institutional knowledge. And I don't know if we're prepared as a, as a and as an economy to, to retain that and capture it and help best deploy it, then simultaneously you have this entirely new population that is in many ways a little bit different than the retiring one. You know, millennials often sometimes get a bad rap. I think they're, uh, they actually are incredibly talented, incredibly civically minded, uh, altruistic individuals coming on that just want to have their, um, their opportunity to change the world. So, you know, if you were talking to a company, and I think there's many throughout your county that w why this is relevant, that, you know, forecast having many employees retiring in the next couple of years, and how are they going to fill those, you know, backfill that, that type of knowledge? What would you be telling a, an employer to really prepare for that? Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's interesting with the whole generational aspect that's happening with the f workforce, my individual clients that I work with for professional development, I have both. I have boomers and millennials. Those are my big 
buckets. Uh, and what's interesting is the common ground there is they're both trying to figure out their paths forward. Boomers, we have a lot of them that are hanging on a little longer than we anticipated, which is holding up the whole line of people moving forward. And then millennials are trying to figure things out. Uh, but there's this large amount of resistance that has happened as a result. And really, the, the answer to this gap is getting curious about each other and having a conversation. And what I've found is when we've put people together and we've just talked, like talked about how did you grow up? Where did you come from? Why do you feel the way that you feel? Um, we're seeing that it's all, you know, it's, it sounds silly to say it's a misunderstanding, but sometimes it is. It's just a difference in perspective and points of view. And um, I was talking to one of my colleagues the other day about how we're seeing this huge shift in assumptions uh, and where we think, you know, we have all these expectations, particularly of the millennial generation, but really they're assumptions. We've never established them. We just assume that they should know what they should be doing when they get into these work environments, and they're not. And because of, you, you said it, you brought up about Wi-Fi, the technology piece, the fact that I don't have to talk to anybody, I can basically text and manage all my relationships and never have to get in front of someone, and now you're going to put me in a service-oriented industry and expect that I know how to have a conversation. We're not teaching that right now. Mm. So it's a whole shift that has to happen. Um, there's been lots of talks about do we have to have classes on preparing people on how to have relationships and good conversations. I will never forget that I read an article where an 18-year-old student was going off to college and they said, what's the one thing that you want? And he said, I'm hoping that they teach me how to have a real conversation. Hmm. Wow. And that sends a huge message right. to me of this is, those are the individuals entering the workforce and we want to penalize them for not knowing something that was never taught to them mm -hmm. by a culture that we've kind of created. Uh, and that's the interesting about generations. We've created all the future generations. It's basically what we've asked for and now it's happening in the future, um, and then we're like, we don't like that, but that's what you wanted. <laughs> right, right. So for an organization that that is seeing that the retirement wave is coming, and they're obviously, or maybe it's just an organization whose employee bread and butter is is a younger generation, um, are there uh, aspects to your uh, company, or or just you know other aspects of HR that you think they should at least be keeping in the back of their head and viewing mm -hmm. things through the lens of? whether this is a long-time established company that might be set in their HR ways, you know, what would you be encouraging them to be mindful of as they hire a younger generation? You need to connect them to each other, and there needs to be um, an open aspect on both ways. Mm -hmm. And if you are meeting resistance, it is not a generational issue. Sometimes it is a performance issue. So you need to play with that line very mindfully. Sometimes we like to go, well, that's just because they're a millennial. And you kind of hinted at all these stereotypes that are out there floating around about them. A lot of them are not like that. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them will come and ask questions and want clarity. Same thing on the other side. You know, uh, boomers now get labeled sometimes, well, that's just how Sue is, or mm -hmm. that's just how Johnny is. But it could be a generational thing. It could be a, it's actually a performance thing. So where we are, are seeing resistance, we have to address it. And we need to make um, opportunities for them to connect and establish some sort of relationships. Relationships are essential on some level for your organizational dynamic to work, unless they can all function in little boxes and not interact with each other. Wow, which is very unlikely. So it's, Yeah. Um, that's That was very well put and poignant. So sort of kind of closing out a little bit of this segment, what 
if you, you know, going back to, hearkening back to the name of your company mm -hmm. and that it really is, HR is an art form, how do you develop, you know, new leaders and, and how is, you know, leadership an art form? And for anyone listening out there, and I think it's incumbent on most, you know, throughout any organization, whether you're at the top, the mid-level, or just, you know, starting out, that, that it's a job of every individual to be identifying those leadership aspects. And leadership is not something that's contained to, you know, a job description. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you would encourage all employees or any organization to help identify those traits of leadership? I am a firm believer that life and your work experience, the whole package prepares you for where exactly you are currently in life. If it feels like it's wrong, it's because you missed a direction, you weren't paying attention. Uh, if you feel like you're at a dead end, it's an opportunity to turn around. My biggest advice would be knowing that is to go back and make sure that you got all the lessons that you were meant to get out of your experiences. We move so quickly that we assume because we are adults and we're humans and we're multi-talented and we can multitask that we figure everything out at lightning speed and we miss so much. And so if you really want to work on your growth, and this is primarily what we do, is challenge you to go back and do self-reflection. Um, and that can mean many different things. It can mean something as as simple as journaling or talking about it in a different matter with a close colleague that's not venting, actually processing a scenario. Um, or, you know, some of the artistic things that we do at Leadership Arts is we do bring in paint nights, but there mm. is a self-reflective piece to it. So anything that we offer at our organization, you leave having a better understanding of yourself and what you need to feel satisfied in life. Excellent. Um, so, Lightning round. You ready? You want to? All right, we're gonna we're gonna bring this to a close with a lightning round of some fun questions. Yeah. So, all right, Sam Smeltzer, I got them for you. And you were not given these questions in advance, correct? Correct. Okay. All right. So, number one, if you if you're at a bar and you have to pick a karaoke song, what's it gonna be? If I have to pick a karaoke song, um, it would probably be "Baby Love" by the Supremes because it's the only song that I have done karaoke too, so I'd feel semi-confident in it. Very cool. All right. You went old school with that. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to do any right now? You have no. a microphone in front of you. No, I'm okay. All we'll right. save that. So we, we'll get drinks we'll later. We'll wait till yeah. bars, and right. then everyone can come watch. <laughs> yes, we should do that. We'll have to live stream this at a bar at some point um, and have some fun with that. Okay. So switching gears similarly, what's your favorite music that you listen to, that you go to in the car when you just need to check out and you're driving? Um, I am an eclectic listener. Okay, so I love I, uh, it. I used to be a music major in college. Nice. So I have an appreciation for everything. Um, so, in fact, I use the Spotify app, and mm -hmm. I let it kind of just mix everything it kind of knows. Nice. So I listen to stuff that I don't even know who it is, but I love it. <laughs> so variety of the spice of life. Yes, you really fall absolutely. in that category. Okay. Do you play any instruments? No, I'm a vocalist, which do not make oh, me sing Oh, come on. I really? <laughs> you just told me that and you can't hit any of the Supremes? Come on. Baby uh, love. All right. I'm not going to do that either. Um, meatloaf or pasta? Um, oh, yeah, you had me like on the music thing. I was like, like Meatloaf the musician. Oh, well, all right. You could do a little Bad Out of Hell. Um, I would do Anything for Love or Paradise oh. by the Dashboard Light. I really have been loving meatloaf lately. I don't know why. But. I'm with you. Not the singer, the food. Yes. It's, it's meat and potatoes. Some <laughs> Irish Catholic. What can I say? Um, all right. Uh, beer or martini? Martini. Okay. Do you, uh, Gin or vodka? Vodka. Dry or dirty or delicious or just you don't care, just give it to me? 
I don't care. Just give it to All me. Right. What is... <laughs> should have done this at a bar. We should have, actually. <laughs> All these You've questions these, that you there have. Is a, there is a common thread to this. Um, okay. If you knew then what you know now, if you could go back to your 18-year-old self and give him any type of advice, what would it be? Trust yourself. Don't question it. Nice. And finally, what's an HR success story that's heartwarming that reminds you of the why? Um, so here's one of my favorite ones. So, and I was working for a big box retailer at this time, but I had a manager who routinely was just doing stupid things. Mm -hmm. Like you would go out on the receiving dock and he was smoking cigarettes in a no smoking, you know, building. And so you have to document that. Like right. it was literally to a point where I would say, why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> His name's Bobby. He's not going to listen to this, but, <laughs> and I would just say, Bobby, why are you doing this? You're making me do this to yourself. And he got all the way up to where we were actually uh, one step away from firing. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do anything from him. He had done it to himself. And I was like, you have so much potential in yourself if you would just turn it around. And everyone always says I'm a liar, that you can't get to that mm -hmm. point. You're going to lose your employment. You might as well find another job. He, he he's the reason why I believe that is true, because he turned it around completely. Hmm. And now he has his own store and he mentors future leaders. Um, so you can make all kinds of stupid mistakes you always have time to turn around. You can always just make the choice. Um, and that's all it is, is a choice. To light the cigarette or not to light the cigarette? To choose to perform or not choose to perform? He knew exactly what he needed to do. Um, and he was able to do that and recuperate and excel. And he's still excelling. Awesome. So that's a great lesson. And Sam Smeltzer, CEO and founder of Leadership Arts Associates, thank you so much for being with us and taking some time today. Thank you, Kevin. You got it. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to this edition of the YCEA podcast series produced by Bold Creative Media. For more information, visit us on our website at www.ycea-pa.org or call us anytime and talk to one of our experienced staff members at 717-848-4000. And always remember to start here.